stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. I mean, there was a comedian, Patton Oswalt, he told me, I think the worst part of the Cosby thing was the hypocrisy. And I disagreed. You disagree with that? Yeah. I thought it was the raping. <laughs> so that was uh, Norm MacDonald with Jerry Seinfeld on uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And it kind of encapsulates Norm MacDonald's remarkable ability to, to find and deliver humor. You know, when the topic is maybe uncomfortable or controversial and not that norm mcdonald was you know looking to offend or to make a point of being politically incorrect he kind of just naturally was uh was uh, quite a gut punch yesterday uh, the news that uh, norm mcdonald had passed away at the age of 61 uh, he'd been diagnosed with cancer nine years ago something he kept pretty close to the chest not many people knew and so, yeah, we were all caught off guard uh, when we heard yesterday that um, he had passed away, again, 61 years of age. Uh, his, his legacy, his, his achievements, his iconic status, you know, and I suppose anybody passing, it really puts their, their work into perspective. And, and with Norm MacDonald, I think it's fair to say that. I mean, he was, when it comes to stand-up comedy, comedy in general, a, a real generational talent. I mean, Colby Kosh has piece today in the National Post making the case that he was Canada's greatest ever stand-up comedian, and I think he makes a, a rather compelling case. So what was it about Norm MacDonald that made him such an icon? You know, not just that he was good at comedy, but he kind of changed comedy. Well, joining us to talk more about uh, Norm MacDonald's legacy and to try to help explain it is uh, Jason Zinneman. He's a comedy writer, uh, comedy columnist uh, for the New York Times, nytimes.com. In fact, wrote a book about uh, David Letterman back in uh, 2017. And obviously, David Letterman, I think, looms large as we talk about Norm MacDonald's story and legacy. But uh, Jason Zinneman joins us on the line here this afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us, uh, Jason. Welcome to the program. Yeah, happy to be here. It is interesting to, to kind of explain it to somebody maybe who's not familiar with, with Norm MacDonald or kind of has a passing familiarity, what it was about him that made him such an icon, because by traditional metrics, it, it would be hard to explain, wouldn't it? It's it's exactly right, because he, he, he was really a giant of comedy, but you wouldn't know it from necessarily his resume. He doesn't have a laundry list of wildly influential specials that people are always citing. He didn't have a huge sitcom like a lot of his uh, you know, peers of that era did. He didn't have, uh, you know, his, his, his movie credits are short. Even his stint on Saturday Night Live, which is what he thought he would be remembered for, um, was, you know, relatively short and ended him being fired um, for making um, too many OJ jokes, as the right. uh, head of NBC thought then. Um, but uh, but but Norm was was re- one of the you know a, a real comics comic. You know he has an incredible respect for his craft, and in in his own kind of peculiar way, he really had extremely high standards for um, joke writing and how uh, com- comedians um, you know sort of de- delineate their their sensibility one, one thing I, i've been hearing a lot in, in talking to people about norm which you don't normally hear um when people describe him they describe him as, as integrity mm-hmm. um and they're not talking about some kind of you know his great ethics or morality saying for he, for a comedian he he never pandered 
He stuck to his vision. Um, and, um, and he's responsible for some of the funniest moments in popular culture over the last couple of decades. Which wasn't necessarily just him on stage. I mean, as good as he was as a stand-up comedian, I think a lot of these, you know, these moments that have been going around on social media, a lot of them are, you know, him on talk shows, him on uh, Letterman, or him with with Conan O'Brien, or, you know, different kind of settings. And I think part of, we think of Norm MacDonald as a comedian, it's it's kind of all of the above and more, isn't it? It's true. He was... He's, he's one of this population of people who are like a, a Hall of Fame talk show guest. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Martin Short, Charles Grodin, who we also lost recently. Um, but he really shined um, on Letterman. He, he delivered maybe one of the most famous performances at a roast ever at the Bob Saget roast, where he took basically an old, like, Borscht Belt joke book and of really kind of old hack jokes. And he delivered these terrible jokes um, with complete conviction as if he thought they were really good. And I can't do it justice here, right. but the, the, the commitment that he delivered with them ended up being an incredible spoof of not just the uh, event, but of roasts in general. And you, you, you see the audience go from confusion um, to just delight to laughter, to just absolutely destroying. And you can only get that level of success if you're willing to take the risk of going through the, 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 the confusion and even the bombing. And um, that was something that, that Norm was willing to do. I think also the other thing is, you know, in rereading his memoir, which is really um, incredible, you're just reminded of like what a fantastic writer he was mm -hmm. um, and what uh, kind of how much he loved the music of comedy, the, the, the music of language. And, uh, you know, there's, there's very few people who had the kind of the, um, could get laughs off of just word choice the way, the way he did. Um, and there was something both kind of lyrical and poetic, but also very plain spoken, um, folks. Yeah. I think, you know, I've heard said, I'm not Canadian. No, normal Canadian, <laughs> yes. but I've, I've heard that there is a distinctly Canadian vibe to no, to normal. I mean, he sort of contains multitudes and spent a lot of time in the States and picks up a lot of different influences and you can hear him in, you know, noir and Western voices, et cetera. But, but, um, he, he did, you know, he did talk about Canada a lot. It works its way into a lot of, a lot of, uh, jokes and, and, uh, I think, you know, that that was always a part of his work. Yeah, I mean, he, he talked a lot about hockey. He had a real love for hockey. It, it was funny, too. And, and you think of some more obscure Canadiana sort of references. As one of the clips I was watching last night, he was on, I was doing an appearance on Jay Leno. And there's a place in Alberta that's called Head Smashed in Buffalo Jump. And he, he was working that into kind of a story about weird places in Canada. And he was telling it in such a norm style that I, I think Jay Leno and the audience thought he was just completely making it up. And was actually, for those of us in the know, it's it's a real place, and he was describing it in, in a, a weird but, but accurate kind of way. And I'm sure he knew that everybody listening, everybody watching, probably thought he was making it up, didn't know if it was a real place or not, but it's almost like he, he enjoyed that side of it too, right? He, he definitely did. He also had this thing where, he, you know, I say in that piece that he's a, a terrific liar, and right. I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. He's, he, he really um, blurred the lies and the truth in a way that was very, um, you know, was very skillful. And you know, there's one sentence in his book where he says, 
you know, there's the way things are and then the way things appear. And it's the way things appear, even when false, that is often the truest. Um, that's something you hear, like, from Oscar Wilde. Um, and I think he both believed that and he also believed in sort of aiming for the truth in comedy, but through this um, roundabout way. And I think he would often – so he would use stuff in his biography, whether it's in Canada or not – to give elements of the truth, but then he would mix it up with the fictional elements. And, and some of those jokes, you know, I think he liked the inside joke. Like maybe yeah, you could yeah. explain to me this joke. Um, Cause I I've heard that this is a, something that Canadians understand different than Americans, which is he did this. He, he made a very dark joke about nine 11 on his talk show where uh, a guy in the show was made it made like a nine 11 joke. And he faked like he was offended about it. Right. And he said, he said, I walked through the blood and bone, put through the blood and bones on the streets of Manhattan to find my brother. And then he paused and he said he was in northern Canada. Right. And <laughs> for some, I don't know what northern Canada, but someone, some neighbors said that the fact is northern Canada makes that not only is it was he not actually there on 9-11 and he was lying which was the punchline, but Northern Canada somehow makes it like particularly hit harder for Canadians. Do you understand that? Why? Well, yeah. And, and, you know, to a large extent, because when we refer to Northern Canada, we're referring to like remote, far Arctic, uh, you know, where, where there's the Inuits and, and tiny villages and, and really nothing else. So his brother, Neil mm-hmm. McDonald is, is a longtime journalist here, here in Canada. He's worked for the CBC, uh, forever. I, I, I don't know if he actually was somewhere in northern Canada on 9-11. I don't know if there's a story there, but yeah, it would seem very different in, in a Canadian context, I think. Uh, that, that, yeah, exactly. There's something that maybe the, 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 the wild juxtaposition between how remote it would be and the streets of Manhattan, yeah. <laughs> maybe not everybody got, but but Canadians would. and uh, But everyone would get the idea that he's he has, this, of course, there's a very ornate way of saying, very classically norm. I walked through the blood and bones right. on the streets yes. of Manhattan. I mean, there's a lot of ways to say, you know, I walked past Ground Zero, and that, you know, norm always found kind of the most elevated way of of putting the stuff while still being conversational and plain spoken. It's a very tricky thing to pull off. Uh, the David Letterman aspect to all of this, and obviously, as we mentioned, you wrote a book about David Letterman. There, there's some parallels here, I think, in terms of, you know, their approach to comedy. Uh, obviously, they had a great relationship. David Letterman clearly thought the world of Norm MacDonald. He, you know, Norm did stand up on, on Dave's final show. What was the nature of that relationship or, or that, you know, that mutual admiration they had? Well, I think you sort of, uh, you know, put your finger on it, which is that they had a they had a shared sensibility um both in their kind of sarcastic voice in their love of um words um in their ability to get comedy out of seemingly nothing mm-hmm. um you know letterman was great in finding jokes in a pause in a look in a shift in tone and that's something that you know norm had such a distinct unusual way of talking and he would sometimes just say he would get laughs off of just saying the obvious, you know, just saying it slower and more blunt than anybody else. And that was something I think Letterman, who, you know, comes from, from the Midwest, you know, appreciated. Norm would say something like, you know, uh, Hitler, the more I learn about that guy, the more <laughs> I don't care for him. <laughs> and that, that's the kind of joke that that. Uh, 
you know, I think Letterman loves. Um, so yeah, he was the last, uh, did the last stand-up site, uh, set on Letterman's show. And I think also what you saw on, the, on his last appearance, Letterman was something that was, um, you rarely did from Norm, but was an underrated quality, which is that he got emotional. Um, you know, he said something like, I, I know you have no truck with the sentimental, again, a very Norm locution. Um, and then he, he said, I love you, um, which is not what you, Norm's a very mm-hmm. acerbic guy he keeps at a distance. So, so that was very, you know, that, that that was something that Letterman had too, which was Letterman kept you at a distance, was very ironic, very cool. But because of that, when he did get emotional, you it really uh, you really believed it. And in a way, in getting back to the part about the legacy, you know, there's an example where it's kind of like Norm is your favorite comedian's favorite comedian. And I think that that's part of of, of his legacy, his iconic status, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's very well put. I think that's very well put. I mean, he's, his reputation among comedians is, uh, you know, is I, I would say if you were to judge him on, you know, popularity, he's maybe not in the top tier. But if you were to judge him about from his, about his reputation with comedians, he, he definitely would be. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, uh, but but the, the, the main one, I think, is that People who who do the craft recognize the high degree of difficulty of what he was pulling off. We'll leave it there, Jason. As mentioned, great write-up today. NYTimes.com. Folks can read it for themselves. Uh, thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Really do appreciate this. Thank you for inviting me. There you go. That's uh, Jason Zinneman. He's the uh, comedy columnist uh, at the New York Times, nytimes.com, and his write-up on Norm MacDonald. You can find it on the website today. Also, author is mentioned in the book, Letterman, The Last Giant of Late Night. We'll take a time out here. Rob Breckenridge with you. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.